Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which, of course, is our Hey, Mary Kay edition. And our Football Insider subscribers gave us a whole bunch of questions from Sheldon Richardson to the draft to all sorts of topics here on this edition of the pod. Now, if you want to get involved in Football Insider and be able to submit your questions for this podcast, and there's a lot more to it than that. You get an exclusive newsletter every day with content that doesn't show up anyplace else. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. And you can be one of our text subscribers, which is where we get the questions for this specific pod. And we also do lots of cool events and, and things like that uh, as well. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get information and to get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Here we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Let's get right to it. We start with Walter Parker from Kent, Ohio. He wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, do you expect Sheldon Richardson to be back with the Browns at a lower price? You know, I actually do think that there's a good chance he could come back. I reported on Sunday that the Browns want him back and he would like to come back if he doesn't find a better offer out there. So I think there's a decent chance. I actually think that he would take a hometown discount to come back here as opposed to going somewhere else for a little bit more money. So I think everyone should stay tuned because Sheldon could be back. And the big uproar over Sheldon, you know, over Sheldon being released could be much ado about nothing. Uh, So I really think this could have a happy ending for all. Okay, so that kind of leads us to Roman Graham's question from Cleveland. Uh, does Sheldon Richardson's release mean Andrew Barry believes he can find someone in the draft or does he believe this is how business will be conducted moving forward? It sounds kind of like the answer there, at least for now, is no. Mm-hmm. And that maybe Andrew Barry believes it'll actually be Sheldon Richardson replacing Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that that's the hope. I think they hope uh, that they can plug him back in there at a reasonable price. And you know that they have been doing these deals where They've been creative with voidable years and doing whatever they can uh, to get these guys under contract without breaking the bank in terms of the cap for this season when they're in a depressed cap year. They know they're going to have more cap space next year and the year after. So the voidable years are giving them an opportunity to get through this season like they did with Jadavian Clowney. They gave him $8 million, seven of that fully guaranteed with incentives to make $2 million more but he's only 
hitting the cap at about 3.7 this year because he has voidable years. Now, you do end up having some dead cap money in future years, but they will be able to absorb that because of what's going to be happening with the cap. In terms of the draft, I, I don't think they need to go out and sign a defensive tackle, but it doesn't mean that they won't. Anything that they did over the past week or the past couple months isn't going to really impact their decisions in the draft all that much. They're in a position right now where they can build for the future and plan ahead. As we've talked about many times on this pod, they have to start planning for life after those two receivers, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. They do have to start planning for life after the second edge rusher. They've got Jadavian on a one-year contract. They've got Tack McKinley on a one-year contract. So if the edge is there, they can go ahead and do that. So they're not locked into anything. They're not precluded from doing anything. Now, the second part of Roman's question, though, is I still think relevant because he says, is this sort of how the business will be conducted moving forward? And I think the answer, at least to an extent, is yes, because you're going to start paying guys and those extensions are going to kick in and your roster is going to get more top heavy and you're probably not going to pay a defensive tackle $12 million or $13 million anymore. Yes, that's true. They will stick very closely to uh, sort of the analytics way of doing business. And there will be premium positions at which you pay uh, double digit millions. And there will be positions at which you don't. And not only positions, but ages. They are not going to be paying a lot of 31-year-old guys double digit millions. It's just not going to work out that way. Uh, For the most part, they're going to be paying the guys that are in the prime of their career. So I think that's something to watch going forward. It was the combination of age and a $12 million payout this year, which also included a $13.6 million cap hit. They're on the hook for 1.6 of that. That's the dead cap money here for Sheldon Richardson. But uh, once again, that is going to be the way of doing business going forward. You're not going to see them paying, you know, a, probably a receiver that's turning 30 years old, $15 million, you know, generally. So yes, I would think this is the way to the wave of the future. Okay. So that brings us into a number of questions people had about the salary cap moving forward. So let's just go ahead and switch gears uh, to some of these questions. Michael in Munson wants to know, Hey, Mary Kay, how concerned should we be about the salary cap with the Browns already making financial decisions to cut good players? The Browns have been flush with cap space for so long Michael says he was caught off guard with this cap casualty situation, especially since the Browns haven't paid their quarterback, number one corner, running back, or left tackle yet. Is it worth worrying about that stuff, or should fans feel still feel pretty comfortable that this team's going to be okay? Well, first of all, fans can feel very comfortable that the salary cap for the Cleveland Browns is in really good hands. I mean, pretty much everyone went to Harvard, so they know what they're doing. And a lot of them uh, majored in economics and, and things like that. So uh, they, they know how to manage a cap. As far as what happened with Sheldon, they didn't have to do very much of that this year. I mean, they, you know, there were other teams that had to do a lot of restructuring, a lot of cutting. I mean, they didn't have to do that. The Rams had to let go of good players like John Johnson and Troy Hill. I mean, the Browns did not have to do that. They have very, very little dead cap space. I still think it's in the three millions right now. 
So they have managed the cap extremely well. They will continue to do so. And here's why it's not a worry. This was a depressed cap year. This was a year where the cap was supposed to be like 208 million or 210 million or whatever. And it went down to 182.5. So this was just a weird year. If Sheldon Richardson had been in this situation next year, maybe they wouldn't have had to do this. But this year, it was not the year. They needed to get a little bit of breathing room so that they can do whatever else they want over the next how many ever months. And this was the easiest way to go about it. And again, it doesn't mean goodbye. It just might mean we'll see you later. And so, you know, I still think that it, it could be a win-win for everybody. Which brings us to, man, these are just moving right along. These all kind of flow together. This brings us to Jim and Olmstead Falls. And I think it's, it's so interesting to see these questions because Browns fans just aren't used to this. They're used to a team that doesn't re-sign guys, that never has cap trouble because they don't have to re-sign guys. They're always rebuilding. Jim and Olmstead Falls. Hey, Mary Kay. With all the contracts for Baker, Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, Denzel Ward coming up, how will the Browns cap space end up? Will they be strapped in coming years? Will they be okay for a long run of success? Or is the window pretty small? You know, I, I think they're hitting it all at the right time. Just when they need to pay these guys a lot of money, they will be coming into a lot of money. I mean, these TV contracts, it's just the perfect timing for the Browns to need to pay these guys a bunch of money, especially Baker. Everything else is kind of details. I mean, the big financial commitment that you're going to be making is that Baker Mayfield contract. So that's the one. And it's going to be hitting just when those TV contracts kick in and when the cap mushrooms to the point where you need it to. So I don't think they have anything to really worry about. The big decision, of course, will come in, and we've talked about this many times, is do you do Baker's extension this offseason? Do you do Denzel this offseason? Do you do Nick, Wyatt? I mean, they do have some big decisions to make, but if they play their cards right, they can time it up so that those, that those extensions are kicking in just when they have the money for them to kick in, in the case of Baker and Denzel especially. They will pick up their fifth-year options. We've been saying that all along. That's not even a matter of debate. That will happen at some point before the May 3rd deadline. Then they have to decide what they're going to do thereafter in terms of extending them now or extending them later. I still think, for some reason, I still think that maybe they'll wait on Baker. I don't know that for sure, but it seems to be sort of a prudent decision just with what we're talking about here in terms of timing up the payout with the big money coming in on the cap. Uh, it just seems like that would be the, the fiscally wise thing to do, but I don't know if they'll do that. I mean, I, I saw something today that, that Ravens are, have already started talking extension with Lamar Jackson. You know, sometimes you get caught up in extension mania. And, you know, sometimes there's sort of a goodwill or PR thing that happens and, and you want to get your guy done too. So I could 100% see that happening as well, but they don't have to do it. They don't have to do it. They can play their cards right and do business in a very smart way. Yeah. Well, and I, I think I've said it on this pod before. It could end up being a win-win for Baker too, if they wait, because he could sort of Say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a back seat and let all my guys get paid, be the ultimate teammate. And then next year, if he has a great season, 
now we're talking Dak Prescott type money potentially for Baker. I, I think the big thing for fans to remember is just think about the core of your team. That's really where the money needs to go. Think about the core of your team. So Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, Denzel Ward, you know, these key positions, these important positions, think about that core, because you mentioned the Rams, you know, their top three cap hits the next two years are Matt Stafford, a quarterback, Aaron Donald, the best defensive lineman in football, and Jalen Ramsey, maybe the best cornerback in football and everything else. It's, it's not all just, you know, throw a guy here or throw a guy there. You'll have other players who are making good amounts of money. You know, Andrew Whitworth is still making money there. You know, you'll have guys at certain positions who are getting paid, paid well. You're not just going to money ball your way through the other, whatever, 19 positions. But there's just a lot more interchangeability when you have that core together and you have those guys paid. And that, that's really kind of what matters. Yes, absolutely. And again, the thing to remember as you look forward on this roster and and on this cap is they will have decisions to make after this season on guys like Odell and Jarvis Landry, because those guys are set once again to total about $31 million in the 2022 season in the year that they're also turning both 30. So, you know, these are things that, that they will have to look at and, you know, that's where maybe sometimes some restructuring happens or, you know, you decide it's time to go younger at those positions, but they've, they've got a lot of things that will be kind of hitting at the same time. That's why they need to really try to make a run at the Super Bowl this year. This is like the perfect year to try to do it. They have all the players that they need to get it done. And they're all at, you know, pretty decent salary points right now. Uh, so, so this is when you have to do it before you have to start thinking about, okay, now we're not, we might not have Jarvis anymore. We might not have Odell going forward. What are we going to do about Nick Chubb? You know, these are things that they have to decide. You're, you're going to get an email from your Super Bowl, Super Brown buddy. After he hears that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Speaking of cap management, Josh S in Chevy Chase, Maryland says, Hey, Mary Kay. Is it sensible for the Browns to trade mid-round picks this year for higher picks in 2022 and 2023? It seems like that could be part of a cap management strategy. Sort of, you know, I guess think like the Saints in a way with Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and other young players in line for pricey extensions. I've got to say, extension mania is on Browns fans' minds, and they are thinking way ahead on this. So I guarantee you, Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, and all these guys are doing the same. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And I do think that there is some wisdom and value into pushing some of those picks out uh, to next season and ending up with maybe a little bit of a higher pick than you would have gotten this year, because teams are willing to do that. You get a little bit of a higher pick when you trade away this year's pick. So, so I think they will try to do that. I don't think they really have room on the team this year for nine rookies, right? I just don't really see that. So you have to, you kind of have to be judicious with those picks and use them sometimes as currency to move up, to get a better player or to move things out to next year. I mean, it would be really hard for nine rookies to make the final roster this year. It's a pretty well-stocked football team. There are not that many openings for starting jobs. There are not a ton of openings. I mean, there's some pretty good depth at a number of positions. So I could see them packaging some picks to move up somewhere or moving them forward. Okay. Let's talk about the draft a little bit because, you know, it sort of has hit me recently. Like the draft is really close. Mm-hmm. We're, 
two weekends away from this thing uh, coming to the shores of Lake Erie. So here we go. A couple draft questions. This is from Dave in Waterville, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, do you agree that the Browns still have a hole at outside corner and that Andrew Barry may invest at least one or more picks in the upcoming draft to address that need? You know, I'm going to have to say yes there. I really do think that it is a position that they need to address because what they don't know is they just really don't know for sure how greedy is going to get through the season, how the shoulder will be responding in game time situations. You have to be covered just in case, just the same way they are at safety. I mean, if for some reason Grant Delpit needs the first few games of the season to get his sea legs or whatever, they're pretty covered at safety. They could start John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison. So I think they have to do the same thing with greedy. And it's one of the only spots where I look at on the team and I think, yeah, they really need to add a couple of cornerbacks to this team because in the event that you do need an outside corner to start for either Denzel who misses three or four games a year or greedy who the future looks bright, but nobody knows for sure how it'll go yet. If you need to move Troy Hill out there, then you still need a nickelback. So I think they need at least one more really versatile corner who can start outside for you. I think that they will look for that in this draft. Is that uh, somebody else sent us a similar question, but they had a two-parter and the first part of it, this was Tom from Middlebury, Connecticut was after a busy off season, what area of the team remains your biggest concern? Is it that? Even if it's not a huge concern, is it that area of the team? I would think so because I'm not overly worried about the linebacking core. I just don't think that is something that needs to be fretted about. I think they can get the linebacking job done. And I think that the way that they're probably going to end up using only two linebackers a lot of the time, I think they have what they need there. Now that doesn't mean that they won't go out and draft a linebacker, but cornerback is, is, a very premium position. I mean, you are not going to function well in today's NFL if you don't have some really good cornerbacks. And here's the other thing to remember. They don't just plan on, a lot of times they would only play 16 games, the Cleveland Browns, right? Now, not only are they playing 17 games, but they plan on playing three or what, four more after that. Four more, yeah. So, you know, they could be playing 21 football games. And so you for sure need some extra cornerbacks. And that is an area that I would invest a nice high pick in. One more draft question from the 913 area code. What's the likelihood that Andrew Barry makes a drastic move and trade up to get a higher quality player? This is from Jack in Georgia. I don't think he's going to want to mortgage the future. I don't think that he will want to go up so high that it would cost a first round pick. I think that they would want, I mean, another first round pick. I think that they want their 2022 first round pick. So I don't see them doing that because there will be some holes to fill next year. Uh, I think the draft is deep enough that they can find a good player in the twenties, maybe even at 26 where they are. And so therefore I don't really see them climbing up into the, top 15 or so. The other thing is that you have to play, pay those players so much more money than you do. So if your board falls in a certain way that you can get a good player in the twenties, that's almost rated as highly as you have somebody in the, in the fifteens or the teens, then, then I think you might 
want to go with that. And this seems to be a pretty deep first round to me. Every time I look at these first round mocks, I mean, there's so many guys that could fall to them at 26. I'm sure you've had the same experience, Dan. I mean, I, I, right. I mean, you do it a million times. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, there's receivers and cornerbacks <laughs> and edge rushers that could fall to them there. Right. And I heard an interview with, with Daniel Jeremiah from NFL network. I think it was today actually that I heard it where he said something like he's got 23 first round grades, which for him is like a good draft, right? Like a great draft for him is usually 27 to 28 first round grades, I think is what he said. So he thinks this is a pretty good first round and somebody's with those quarterbacks at the top, somebody's going to slide down to where the Browns can, can get a pretty good player at 26. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, if he's saying that, that he thinks there are 23, then I suppose there is a chance that the Browns could move up some and they have some ammunition to be able to do that. But it just, I don't know. I mean, and I, I could be wrong. We could be shocked on Thursday night and they could climb up to 13 or 14 or something like that. But it would be pricey to go up that high. And I, I just don't see that they don't. I mean, th that would cost a first round, another first rounder to do that next year. Yeah. And I don't see them doing that. Do you? I'm with you. I don't think they want to give up the first round picks. I think they really value adding talent via the draft moving forward for a lot of the reasons we just talked about in the first, mm -hmm. however many minutes of this podcast about the cap and managing the cap and just having that getting good players. You do that in the first round of the draft. You're more likely to get them in the first round than in the second, third, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I think it, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to want to part with the first round pick. Exactly. And so, you know, Maybe they want to climb up over the Steelers who pick two spots ahead of them. You know, maybe they want to try to do something like that. And rest assured, all of those discussions will take place. You know, they've been taking place. Andrew Berry will know which teams in the first 25 spots are willing to deal and all the teams after him. I think they'll, you want to stay in the first round because you want the fifth year option. But he will have conversations with all 31 other teams, or at least most of them, and have some parameters in place in the event anything presents itself on draft night. Okay, one more draft question uh, before we take a break and, and get into some more kind of random questions that came in. This comes from Tyson in Texas, and this is an interesting one. He's talking about positional value, and I guess we're assuming in this situation that whatever team we're talking about, whether it's the Browns or somebody else, they don't have a particular position. So the question is, Hey, Mary Kay, if you knew both players would be hall of famers, would you take a left tackle or a wide receiver? And then he goes on to mention that excluding quarterback, how would you rank left tackle cornerback and D lineman? So I guess the first part, if you knew both were going to be hall of famers, maybe you had a need of both left tackle or wide receiver. I think I'd go left tackle there because they're harder to find I think it's easier to get the job of receiver accomplished. I think it can be very, very difficult to find that left tackle. And if you don't have him, uh, you will be hurting. Browns fans were spoiled all of those years uh, with Joe Thomas there at that position. You can find good receivers, not anywhere, but I think it's much, much easier uh, to go out and find guys in later rounds uh, that can play and start at wide receiver for you. And then the second part of that question was how you, how would you rank? And obviously we're excluding quarterback left tackle cornerback and defensive lineman. And let's just say edge rusher for the sake of the defensive lineman discussion. 
That's a really good question because it almost kind of, it's cyclical, right? It changes from, from year to year. I still, this is a tough one for me because like I said, you have to have that left tackle. You have to have that guy. But I really like, if, the, if these three guys were going to become Hall of Famers, I might go with the edge rusher. I might go with the edge rusher and then the tackle and then the cornerback. And I know that there are a lot of people now that are putting cornerback ahead of the edge rusher, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, I would take edge rusher over left tackle. Again, with that Hall of Fame, you know, we're talking about getting a guy like mm-hmm. Bruce Smith or somebody like that, right. right? Yep. I would take that guy over left tackle. I might go corner first mm-hmm. just because if I'm thinking about a Hall of Fame level cornerback, I'm thinking about a guy that just not only shuts people down, but forces turnovers and makes, you know, scores touchdowns like a cornerback that score. I'm thinking, you know, Deion Sanders or, mm-hmm. you know, any number of cornerbacks we could go through who are, who are Hall of Famers. I'm kind of thinking that dynamic of a player who maybe even like a, like a Deion Sanders helps you in maybe multiple ways. Maybe he can go back and return a kick. Maybe he can, didn't Deion play wide receiver for a little bit? Not that he's mm-hmm. going to do that in the modern NFL, but, you know, I'm thinking about that dynamic playmaker of a corner. And so I might go, I might be one of those guys that goes corner over edge rusher. It's a great question, right? It's a great question. And what we don't know, and we won't know, I don't think, is how the Browns have those positions ranked in terms of premium spots on their board. If we did know that, it would inform a lot. You would know from year to year, uh, you know, you'd have a better idea of what they might do in a situation like this where you can take a little bit of anything. You know, you take anything. So it's a really good question. And you know what else is? It also probably varies from coaching staff to coaching staff. Right. So, you know, it just depends on, you know, if you have a a defensive coordinator that values a cornerback more than an edge rusher, that influences your front office as well. Okay, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we've got three or four kind of random questions that didn't really fit into a category uh, that we'll get to after the break. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Hey Mary Kay edition, and this one comes from the 717 area code. Is Joe Woods the coach to take this new and improved defense to the next level? You know, I think so. I mean, look what Joe had to work with last year. Obviously, this will be the year that we'll really be able to see his creativity and just how he utilizes all these moving parts. I mean, we've been talking about uh, the fact that you will have Jadavian Clowney can play anywhere along the line. Really, he can play both outside spots and he can play both inside spots. So you can move him around. You can move Miles around. You can move Malik around. Uh, So he will have an opportunity to be very, very creative with how he uses these guys this year. Same thing with uh, the versatility that you will have in the back end with using the safeties and, you know, the big nickel and, and these, those kinds of things where you're using three safeties. So I think this will be his chance to shine and who wouldn't want this upgraded defense. Who wouldn't want an right. opportunity to coach this group. So I think it's going to be a fun year for Joe Woods to really pull out all the stops and show everybody what he's all about too. I think Joe and Kevin are pretty similar. Joe gives us a little more in press conferences, but I think the two (laughs) in their approach to the game are are fairly similar. 
So here's another extension question that I, I probably should have asked earlier, but this one's about Wyatt Teller. This is from Ronnie in Newton Falls. Is Wyatt Teller, should we be including him on that extension list? Is it likely that he gets an extension or how does that play out? He's under contract for another year, but he's eligible starting this year. I think they'll, they'll talk extension with Wyatt. He was part of a, an excellent offensive line. He played really, really well. Uh, he was an amazing run blocker, needs to pick up the pass blocking game, as we've talked about so many times before. But I think he's worthy of an extension. And I think they will start talking about that this offseason. Okay, this question comes from Scott in L.A. This is, hey, Mary Kay, as NFL offenses continue to evolve to feature the passing game, does it change the value assigned to what has been categorized as the slot corner position? And then he says, however, I see potentially great value fit with a player such as Asante Samuel late in the first round, which is someone he sees as a slot corner. Basically, the question is, are teams valuing slot differently now? Well, yes, I think so. I think it's such a vitally important position. And you really look at needing to have three starting cornerbacks anymore. That's just how it really is viewed. And Troy Hill, once again, uh, he was not a break the bank kind of a guy. He did not come at a high salary. He's also either 30 now or turning 30. He might be 30 now. He's not somebody that you are necessarily planning to have here for the next five years. And it is a vitally important position. So I think that cornerback is a position, both nickelback and outside, that they will look, look at seriously. And yeah, an Asante Samuel or, or someone else that can play both inside and out. But I do think that nickelback is something that, that teams have a premium on now. Uh, and, and by the way, I also think when we talk about this front office and their approach, you know, analytics is so much about finding inefficiencies. And a part of me wonders if there's still that inefficiency there where slot corners aren't getting paid a lot of money. And so they're willing to go out and sign a guy like Troy Hill because they can always go out and like last year with Kevin Johnson. They can always kind of go out and find that guy who, who can play that position and not cost a lot of money. Last question here. It's going to go to Fred from Naples, Florida. With Sheldon Richardson potentially gone and B.J. Goodson gone, the defense doesn't appear to have a leader. The offense has Baker, Jarvis, Joel Batonio. Who do you think steps up as the leader on the defense? Well, there are actually two guys uh, who I think will be tremendous leaders, and we know that because they were great leaders with their previous teams, and that's Anthony Walker and John Johnson III. Those two guys come with very dynamic personalities, they're both outspoken. We have talked to people that talk about Anthony Walker as being another coach on the field. We know that he scouts the opponent so thoroughly during the week that he distributes notes to his teammates. So not only is he the green dot guy, uh, the guy who calls the defensive signals on game day, but he helps other guys get prepared. Uh, so I, I think these are a couple of the guys that are really going to come in and just kind of light up the locker room a little bit. You know, it's, it's funny. I saw a comparison on Twitter. Somebody kind of said like a few years ago, Jarvis Landry came in and was like, he, he changed the culture on the offense a little bit. Right. We've talked a lot about that. And John Johnson sort of sounded a little bit like that when we got to talk to him, <laughs> if, if he's kind of that guy who's coming in and he'll end up being that tone setter on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Because here's the truth of the matter. Your two best defensive players are not necessarily real vocal leaders. I mean, they lead by example and they lead with their play in Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but they're not 
loud, boisterous, you know, just real fiery, fiery leaders. Miles has, has come out of his shell some. I think he came out of his shell a lot post helmet incident and really picked up uh, that leadership role a lot more. But I think you're talking about other guys that, that really have a natural vocal leadership about them in the same way that Baker Mayfield does on the offensive side of the ball or that Jarvis does on the offensive side of the ball. Well, our Football Insider subscribers came through again with another group of questions here for this Hey Mary Kay podcast. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, it's the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash Browns. And make sure you're subscribed to the pod already if you aren't wherever you get your podcast. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up this week. And the roundtable this week should be pretty fun. I believe we're, we're still planning to do a mock draft for that. So uh, don't hold me to that to be determined officially, but I think that's the plan for this week's roundtable. So for Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.